29 to 42. Come, see a man who has told me everything I have ever done. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. I'm just going to go back a little bit, actually. I'm going to go from uh, verse... 27. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to to the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have no food to eat that you know nothing about. Then the disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is all is, is to do with the will of him who sent me and to finish his words, work. Don't you have a saying It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labour. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I've ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed for two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman... We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the saviour of the word. This may be a stretch for some of you, but I just wonder out there if there's any of you that know the so-called classic movie, um, The Sound of Music. The Sound of Music, oh, this is good. This is a good sign. All right, well, a number of years ago, um, my wife and I, we decided to go to Europe and do some traveling, and uh, we made this agreement. We agreed that each of us could pick one activity while traveling, and uh, the other person would have to happily participate along the way, whatever it is. And so I made my choice while in, in France. I did this, you know, Band of Brothers Normandy tour, World War II, uh, all the beaches and all that. And then uh, we were traveling through Austria, and my wife got really excited one day. She said, I, I've decided what we're going to do when we got to this town of Salzburg. There's the so-called uh, classic, Sound of Music, was in fact filmed in Salzburg, and she decided that we were going to do happily together a musical bicycle tour around Salzburg. And I was reluctant, but agreed. 
And she assured me, though, I would get some sort of mountain bike. I could kind of linger in the back. It would be no problem. And uh, so we arrived this morning, and there were 20 happy ladies, and there was me. And uh, there was no mountain bike. I'm pretty sure I had the original Maria bike and uh, a little tiny thing. And uh, this thing was so small, I would look like a gorilla at the circus riding this thing. It had a basket at the front for my purse <laughs> and a bell. And the bell was like a warning for me. Every time I'd hear that bell go, I, I would tense up and freeze because I was learning a lot about the sound of music and women who love it that day. It was a three-hour circus tour, and the first thing I learned was this. You must act like you're having a fantastic great time, or they will try to help you have a great time by further participation. Secondly, women are clearly training for this event because they know every line of every song, no matter how many times it's been sung, they keep going. And thirdly, if you even whisper a hint of any of these songs, it is, I guarantee you, like throwing petrol on a fire. They will erupt in song and they will not stop till it is finished. So, being a guest speaker along the way, I, I just thought there, there could be a few fans of the so-called classic, and I, I can do an experiment a little bit because I get to go home and uh, the other pastors have to stay, and you don't have to see me again. It's really great. So just a little experiment. Um, if I said dough, you would know the le next lines. Dough. Ray. All right, let's do this. Me. Far? Oh my goodness, I need counseling. So, so, uh, La? T? And that will? Oh, well done, everybody. There's a Salzburg tour waiting for you in the future. And, and counseling for me. Today, I want to talk about the power of an invitation. Let me ask you this. If there was someone in your life that asked you why Jesus is good news, why the gospel is good news, how would you respond? What would you say? Why is it so good in a time when many are searching for hope? I was recently asked this question by a friend who's a musician, and this friend has nothing to do with the church, no upbringing, knows no idea of what Christianity is about. And they said, can you give me the basis? Give me an understanding. What is this thing about? This, why is Jesus so good? And so I said, let me put it to you in a way that, that might make sense. You're a musician. And so it's a bit like a love song, a song that started a long time ago. The song's a good one. It's bringing life to the world. And we're all invited to join along anytime. Jesus is leading the way. Some know the words. Some are just learning and some will soon hear it for the first time. But we're all invited into it. And it's more than just a song. It's an historic reality of God's reign bringing life into the world. And Jesus invites us along that way into that song. He says, come follow me. Come and see. 
After the resurrection, Jesus commissioned his followers to share this good news of his kingdom reign. He says in Matthew 28 to his followers, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Make disciples as followers of Christ. Make disciples. It's written in this imperative mood, which has a sense that as you go about the everyday places of life, in your work, and through uni, in your neighborhoods, as you go through the shops, you're in the process of disciple making. You're invited to sing that song in that place, that you've been placed with a purpose. His presence is with us. It says, surely I am with you. He is with us in the going. We have this great commission to share the good news. And yet, I think for many of us, it's so much easier to say, we're going to leave that to, you know, the caffeinated extroverts in church. There's a few in every church, and we're just going to let them do all the invitation. We'll let them do it. As for me, I, I'm a little bit nervous. I don't have all the right words. I don't have the right voice. I'm not sure what I would say. But what if sharing about Jesus was simply an invitation for others to discover more about Jesus with us? with three simple words, come and see, come and see. Like a beggar telling another beggar where bread can be found, where there can be life, something to satisfy the hunger for the hope that we have in each of our hearts for something more, something greater. Come and see, do you know the power of an invitation? Now I told you already about Coralie, Coralie invites her friend to Alpha. She comes, she comes to faith. Come and see. These are stories in your own church community. And I have uh, the privilege of working with the Alpha team. I get to hear these stories all the time. Four months ago, um, I was at a, a church in Logan and uh, I, was, I met this lady named Cherie. 20 years ago, Cherie was doing time in prison. She was a, a leader of, of a very organized um, crime organization. And somebody invited her to Alpha, and she's like, ah, Alpha, what's that? I don't, that sounds like, that's not me. But, you know, she's doing time. She's got free time, and they're offering some food. And she's like, all right, I got time, I'll go. She goes for the first week, goes to the second week, third week. Pretty soon she comes to a faith in Christ, and her life is forever changed because of three words, come and see. Someone invited her along. And today, she's now a leader in, a, in the church that I was visiting. And she now ministers using Alpha as a tool to minister to people and to, to share faith inside the prison system and the women's correctional facility. And now she helps, helps them bridge the gap to help them get their life back in order. But it all started with this come and see. Uh, come and see what God has in mind for you and your life. It's a process, isn't it? There are steps along the way that each of us take, that, that people around us are taking in coming to faith. That we each have a part. God has placed us in positions and relationships to help people make that step. You might be surprised that there are people in your life right now that are so hungry to have a hope beyond what they see. Those five friends that I said you should pray for and just think about it. Because you're bumping and rubbing shoulders with these people every day. 
and they would love to come. You know that two-thirds of the Australian population don't know somebody that regularly goes to church, that don't know somebody that has a faith. Who's going to tell them? Romans 10, 14 says, how can people call for help if they don't know who to trust? And how can they know who to trust if they haven't heard in the one who can be trusted? And how can they hear if nobody tells them? And how is anyone going to tell them unless someone is sent to do it? Well, God has sent somebody. The body of Christ, you and I, each one of us doing our part. Come and see. Come and hear about God's good plans for this world and for your life and your life and your life. Each of us comes to faith through a relationship. You know, you might be sitting here tonight because somebody brought you to church at a young age. Maybe it was a neighbor. Maybe it was a grandparent. Maybe it was your own parents. But somebody along the way loved you, cared for you. And they might not have had all the answers, but they brought you into a place to come and see. Or maybe as an adult we come to faith. It's probably likely that somebody along, your, along the way was encouraging you, encourage you to come and see. Or perhaps you're here tonight because someone invited you. It's through a relationship. You're still exploring, but somebody cared enough to invite you to come and see, to hear about this love song, this good news story that Christ has for all of us. William Temple once said that the act of bringing someone to Jesus is the greatest service that one person can render one another. And it's in these everyday places of life where we become aware of God's presence, actively moving to say to people, come and see. Hear this love of God for your life. And there's three things that I find encouraging along the way. So it takes the pressure off of us. Okay? The first is this. God is already on the go. God is already moving in the life of that person around you, already speaking into their life. The second is this, the spirit is the lead evangelist. It's not us, it's not a pastor, it's not a book, it's not a program, it's not Alpha. It's the spirit alone that can reveal who Christ is, that convicts our heart, that makes us aware of the truth and the love of God in our life. And thirdly, God has chosen and decided that we as God's people, as the church, each have a small part to play in the process, however small it might be. I love uh, how Daryl Johnson defines evangelism. He says, evangelism is this. We are entering a conversation the Spirit is already having with somebody. We are inviting people simply to come and see, to listen into the good plans that God has in a deeper way. All throughout scriptures, you have these themes of invitation. You know, Jesus invites his followers, come, follow me. The disciples say, come and explore, come and see Jesus. And this invitation is like a mini proposal that has the power to transform all destiny. You know, many marriages started and when, uh, when, with this idea of invitation. You know, they looked at me, they saw me from a distance, and, you know, the, they were glowing, they were beautiful, and they thought, invitation. I'm going to invite them to coffee for a walk, to a movie, something fun. Something beautiful was born out of that space and out of that invitation. So many adventures start by way of invitation. 
And throughout scriptures, you know, you, you, you see, it's not, it's not the, that we're all gifted teachers, we're not all great speakers, but somehow that's the point. That God has chosen a body, a people, that each have a, a part to play. And there's three things that continually stand out. God sends everyday people who, encounter, who have encountered Jesus with courage to share. Now just think about it for a moment. What it would have been like for the disciples, for the followers, uh, when Jesus arrives on the scene. So here we have Jesus announcing the reign of God. This is his good news message, Mark 1.14. The time has come, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. And every miracle suddenly is a foretaste of what's coming ahead. All these, the blind people, they're seeing. Can you imagine just witnessing this as a person? You're like, wow, that person was blind, now they see? They hear, begin, they, the deaf begin to hear. You know, the lame stand up and walk. The dead rise. What is going on? The, suddenly there's food that's being multiplied for the crowd. What is happening here? The people that are mentally unwell are suddenly of sound mind. Families are reunited. Something incredible. And Jesus is announcing the God's kingdom reign, breaking into the world. This is what it looks like. And it's only a foretaste of the greater things yet ahead. And God's saying, this is my love song. This is what I'm doing in this world, and I'm inviting you to be a part. Well, what would you do? You know, if you were there, what would you do? You'd be like, great, we've got to get the best and the brightest. Let's get uh, social media on board. We've got to get the word out there. This is good news. Everyone needs to hear it, right? Let's get the best and the brightest to do this, because we need that. We've got to do this right. We've got to make sure we've, we, we take the message and we, we fix it up. We're going to make it really good. We're going to even make it better. But what does God do? He doesn't pick what you would think is the dream team. He selects everyday people to share the good news. Listen to how he makes his first round draft picks. Matthew 4.18 says, Jesus is walking beside the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. How incredible. Jesus enters this poor backwater town of Galilee. People made fun of that place in that time. They would say, can anything good come from there? It was a joke. Good things don't happen there. And right away, God's revealing something very powerful to us. He said, this is not about what we can do for God, but what he has done for us. Good news. Peter and Andrew are just fishermen. They weren't the bright students. You know, all the bright students in that day, they would go off and study you know, the Bible school. They'd go study the Torah. And then they would ask a rabbi, can I follow you? And Jesus makes a stunning reversal. He goes into the poor and the broken backwaters of Galilee and says, come and follow me. He comes into our world says, I love you so much. I want you to be a part of my plans. I don't need your skills. I don't need anything from you. But do you want to be a part of my plan? Come follow me. I'll show you how to catch more than fish. Come and catch people with this wonderful good news that I have to share. This is what my kingdom looks like. And I'm breaking it in right now. 
And it starts even here and now when everyone makes a, a commitment to Christ. Suddenly you see kingdom breakthrough begin with eternal consequence. How incredible that these very ordinary everyday people were the very same one that, that spread the gospel. After the resurrection, you know, they were hiding behind locked doors. They were afraid, but they were drawn out by something greater, something more important. And it was transforming the, the whole of the Roman Empire, so much so that, that it's upsetting the officials at that time. And they're all getting upset, and they drag him into court. And when the spotlight is on them, can you imagine the pressure? These ordinary people. And they say this, it says this, when they're drugged into the courts before all the people, it says in Acts 4.13, when the authorities saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. So that's what qualifies us. And God's presence is still with us even now. We're still with Jesus. He's still abiding in our hearts, his presence with us. God sends everyday people who have encountered Jesus with the courage to share. You know, you can't encounter Jesus for who he really is until you recognize our own need of a savior. When we realize that we're facing problems that are beyond our own strength, that we can't fix it on our own. You look at the nightly news, these problems are beyond the best and the brightest of our world. You look in our own lives and say, I can't fix these things on my own. I need a savior. I need Jesus. You know who the greatest messenger of the gospel is recorded in, in, the, in the gospels? You know the person who leads the most people to Christ is? It's that woman at the well. Now, Jesus didn't choose somebody who had their life neatly put together. You know, they went to university, they got the right job, they did everything right, and that's why God chose him. No. He chose this Samaritan woman. Think about how wild it is. She's a woman, and, and, and a woman in this day and age, in that time and culture, they were treated terribly. They're testimony in the court of law at that time was inadmissible because they were not regarded as, as, somewhat, as an equal citizen. Treated terribly. And then she's a Samaritan. And Samaritans at that time were considered like half-breeds. They're like, they're from the wrong area of town. They, are, they, they were called dogs quite often. They just were not respected. And then if you read the story, you find out it's the sixth hour of the day. And the sixth hour is, is the middle of the day. This is a hot climate, right? This is a desert place. And what is she doing out in the middle of the day getting water? Because that's not the cultural norm of that time. You know, the women would often go together in the morning before it gets hot, collect all the water, bring it back. So what that tells us is she's probably a really lonely woman. She's probably an outcast. And then you read the story a bit more, you go a little bit deeper, and you find out that she's had five broken marriages. Can you imagine the feelings of rejection she would have felt? Rejected five times. You're not good enough. You're there at the well alone. 
in the middle of the day, in the heat. Just think about, as a young child, the things that she would have dreamed about in her future, in her life. Thinking, one day I'm going to get married, I'm going to have a family, things are going to be good. How have I ended up at this dry place where I feel so broken, been rejected so many times? And that Jesus then arrives in that scene. He says, I'm going to offer you more than just water, but living water. Something that will quench the thirst for the things that you really have hopes for. Something beyond the wildest imaginations that you have. Come and see. Come and see. And she's so excited. She races back to town saying in chapter 429, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. He knows all about me. He knows all my mistakes, all my problems, yet he loves me. He's chosen me. Could this be the Messiah, she says? Now she hasn't got it all figured out. She doesn't know all the answers. But she says, come and see. And it says that the town came out. They made their way toward Jesus. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. How incredible that Jesus chose her to be the greatest messenger recorded in the Gospels, this unnamed woman at the well. And she does it by saying three words, come and see. God sends everyday people who have encountered Jesus with the courage to share the invitation. And I realize that might be a fearful thing for some of us. We might be nervous about how much, what people might think or the rejection that we might experience. But courage isn't the absence of fear. It's the willingness to keep going despite it because there's something greater in mind ahead. There's something bigger at stake. You know, at the crucifixion, the disciples were hiding in fear. It says behind locked doors. They were afraid that they were next. They were gonna be killed off next. But something greater passed through those locked doors. Something that reminded them of a hope beyond even death itself, a resurrected Savior. And he commissioned them to share the good news of a hope beyond what they were experiencing. And they did. Even Jesus himself in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, is there any other way? You know, is it the cross? Is there any other way, God? He would have been fearful of it. it. Would have been painful, this whole experience. But he's willing to follow because he had a hope that was greater than the fear. Because he had a dream that we would join that song, that we'd be a part of his good story. Let me finish with this, this story of Albert McMakin. Albert McMakin was this 24-year-old farmer and he had recently come to faith in Jesus and he was so full of enthusiasm that he filled a truck with people and he took them to hear more about Jesus at this big tent meeting. 
And there was this uh, good-looking farmer's son who he was especially keen to get to this tent meeting. But this young man was hard to persuade. He was busy falling in and out of love with different girls. He didn't seem to be attracted to Christianity at all. But eventually, Albert managed to persuade his friend to come along by just asking him to drive the truck. Well, when they arrived, Albert's guest decided to go in, and he was spellbound. He began to have thoughts he had never had before. And this friend of Albert's came back again, night after night, until one night he came forward and gave his life to Jesus Christ. And that man, the driver of the truck, was Billy Graham. And the year was 1934. And we know that since that time, Billy went on to lead thousands and thousands of people around the globe to Jesus. Totally transformed even the Australian culture and the landscape we now enjoy and live in. Most of us here have had a connection to the Billy Graham Crusades. People even heard him speak in the morning services. Maybe you are a bit young for that over here, but, but most people, you know, thousands of lives in Australia forever changed because of one friend named Albert who said, come and see. We can't all be Billy Graham, but we can all be like Albert. We can all invite our friends to come and meet Jesus. Billy Graham himself says, I don't need a successor. I only need willing hands to accept the torch for the new generation. Would you pray with me? Father, we are the new generation. Father, I pray for those that are willing to take the torch tonight that you would give us eyes to see the harvest that is before us. I pray for the harvesters because we are living in a season of great opportunity, a time when many are searching for hope. This is the greatest moment of evangelization in our generation. People hungry for something more than they see. People wondering there must be something more to life than this. Who will go? I believe there are people here tonight that are willing to take that torch to share the good news. And we might not have all the answers. I know I don't. But we know the one who does. Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. You are the one who can bring us hope no matter our circumstance because you have great plans for us. Father, I pray for those here tonight that are taking that torch and saying, yes, God, I'm willing to go. I'm willing to even say those simple words, three words that has the power to transform generations even yet ahead. Come and see. Come and hear about the love song, about the reality of God's inbreaking kingdom that starts whenever anybody says yes to God's yes to them. Father, thank you that we have this good news to share. Give us the courage as your everyday people to go and do so. God's people said, Amen.
Brian, it's been uh, so encouraging. I know, I know I'm supposed to say really nice things when we have guest speakers and that, but seriously, it has been so encouraging and I just hope that we're all spurred on to take this on when we have the opportunity uh, to tell others about Christ and to invite them along to Alpha. It's not a difficult thing to do. I might embarrass James. James's mum, Louise Ackard, she comes to the morning service, so her son James is here this morning. On Thursday, she contacted the church and she asked if one of the pastors could go and see one of her patients, a man who was terminally ill and who feared dying. And uh, Pastor Daryl and I uh, flat out, and I thought, well, where's Pastor David? I phoned Pastor David and said, can you go? Uh, unfortunately, this man was too sick to come and see, so we went and showed him. And uh, that man gave his life to Christ on Thursday. And uh, yes, yeah, something to praise God for. He will possibly be in God's presence this week. So pray for Paul. But uh, praise God that he came to know him. So guys, uh, just a couple of very brief announcements. There's a whiteboard in the foyer. We would love you to get into a connect group if you're not already. Please put your name up there for that. If you haven't done Master Life, we'd also love you to be involved in that. So please put your name for Master Life uh, there as well. If you want to be encouraged uh, by our guest speaker, please come forward. Have a chat. He would love to talk to you about some of the experiences he's had, some of the things he hears going on around us, and he'd like to encourage you to be those who invite others to come and see. And, of course, we're always here to pray for you. We'd love to pray for you. We normally have questions to answer this evening as well. Uh, we're not doing that tonight. I'm just asking you to get into very small groups and to name one person, first name only, one person that you know needs Jesus. And uh, I invite you to pray for that one person, each of you. Yes, Ros? Yes, we're running Alpha in second term, and uh, so we will be doing invitations and everything like that. We've got these special cards that we'll be giving you. And we'll also be running Alpha in the third term. The third term one will be online, but we'll consider doing a face-to-face -face if we invite lots of people for that as well. And uh, we'll also be doing Alpha marriage. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Yep, no worries. Very good. Okay, guys, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May his word be new to you each and every day. May you take it and live it before your friends, your neighbours, your relatives, your colleagues. And may we think of those we can invite and pray for. God bless. Thank you for being here. Shit.